Hi everyone, this is Patrick, but you already knew that. Uh, today we are releasing another special interview episode with just myself and the guest, but before we get into that, I wanted to point out something new on our website to you that you should go check out soon. Uh, if you go to thecrunchcast.com and go to the drop-down menu, you will find a page that's called Affiliate Links and Books, and on there you will find two things. You will find a list of companies that we either partner with or we're friends with that have given us uh, discount codes for our audience to use, and usually that'll be discounts on merchandise, that'll be uh, a, an extended free trial of the service, etc. Um, some great Catholic companies on there, like Catholic Beard Bomb, the Catholic Card Game, the Hallow Prayer app, and we have one more that's coming up soon. You'll also find a list that me and Ethan like to call The Crunch Required Reading. Now, these are books that, if you're going to listen to us, you have to read them. It's I'm sorry, it's required. I can't get around it. I don't make the rules. I just enforce them with prejudice. So you'll, these are these are a list of all of the books that we have talked about on the podcast over the years, books that you know we love and we've read and read over and over again. Uh, with categories like theology and spirituality, with uh, with true devotion to Mary and introduction to the devout life. We've got uh, books about church history. We've got fiction books like Dune and Father Elijah, and then uh, technology and media books like Deep Work or Amusing Ourselves to Death. All of these books you should check out. And if you go to our website and click the links that those books are attached to, you won't get a discount. But if you buy them after you click that link, we will get a percentage. So that's a great way to, you know, Get a really awesome book and support the podcast at the same time, no extra cost to you. So please go over to thecrunchcast.com, click the drop-down menu, and hit affiliate links and books. Without further ado, let's get into the episode. Welcome to The Crunch, the only podcast that is traded on the New York Stock Exchange. My name is Patrick Nevy, and today I am not joined by my co-host, Ethan. Instead, I am joined with Elena Nunez-Murdoch, the founder of Ascend to Communications, Enclave, and Mission to Launch. Elena, how are you? I'm so good. Thank you for having me on. How are you doing? Absolutely. I'm doing great. I'm really happy one of uh, one of our Crunch listeners, shout out Koji, uh, he connected us because he said, hey, Elena and I work together and I think she would be great to be on the show. Uh, she, So from, from what he told me, you used to work in professional ministry. Is that correct? Yes. I was in the Archdiocese of Miami as a director of youth, young adult, uh, college, campus ministry, parent mm-hmm. ministry, like every kind of ministry pretty much. The director of everything. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> yeah. And you also went to Franciscan, correct? I did. I got my degree in theology there. I graduated in 2013. Great. So this is going to be a very Franny podcast. If you didn't go to Franciscan, you might as well just turn off now because we're going to be talking about households, calf food, and oh Froelix for the rest of the episode. And no one's going to understand what we're talking about. Were you in a household? I was, yes. Which one? The Little Flowers. Oh, nice. I was in Fishers of Men. I, oh, I we, didn't, we didn't interact with Little Flowers that often, but I did have a couple of friends that were in it. It's a good, it's a good group. <laughs> Although of course it changes every year, you know, every, every new, every new group changes the household. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I'm really, I'm really interested in this because, um, I want, I, when I, when I heard that you moved from full-time ministry into full-time business, specifically PR, I, I'm just interested in how you made that change. What, what, what inspired that change? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I felt like I was being called out of ministry um, and I like to move very fast. And so when I realized it was like not for me anymore and I was not really like, I think if you're, if you try to stay in a place where you're not being called, even though it's comfortable, you're going to harm possibly people who are you're trying to serve because it's not mm-hmm. your time anymore. It's somebody else's time. Um, so it was really difficult for me. It was really, really difficult for me to leave. Um, but then it was, it was not like an immediate thing, the PR aspect. Uh, I went through a very like isolating time and trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Um, but I started out actually in LinkedIn. So I was working, I was consulting with some nonprofits cause that's the closest thing to ministry is nonprofit work. Yeah. And then through that, I met some major donors. Um, one of them in particular, uh, wanted me to do like personal branding for him. Cause he was like, I need what you're doing for a nonprofit. But like for me, and I was like, I have no idea what that means, man. <laughs> and he was like, here's a budget, like go figure it out. So then I discovered LinkedIn. Um, and then I also discovered how to get cl- like him and other clients trending and like hashtags and trending in the news and how to get like good, like very like grow organic followers very quickly, which is really hard to do um, for any platform, but especially for LinkedIn. Cause you, cause some people get away on like Twitter with like buying fake followers, but you yeah. can't you can't do that on LinkedIn. It's has to be all organic. Um, so I figured out like the algorithm at the time and, and just got really good at it. So I was working with executives in that and I learned more about PR and it's really just about networking and relationships. And the skill of networking is something I learned in ministry. So Mm -hmm. I was able to utilize those skills and just kind of apply that to PR. Um, and given that I love relationship building and encountering people where they are and trying to love them as best as possible, which is something that you can do in the professional world. It's not just, you know, regulated to ministry. Um, it just, it kind of like took off. And then I started learning other skills in, in business. Um, and, but I really love like the, the PR stuff because it really is all about relationships and making sure you're ser- serving people. And like reporters can tell if you're just trying to use them. Um, so you really have to build authentic relationships with them, which is, again, very ministry based. So it seems it seems like it seems like ministry helped you with, you know, get it that that first step of of networking. It was you were better served by your ministry experience because I mean, youth ministry is essentially just networking with teenagers. And those, you know, when it comes to networking, you're approaching people that you think maybe they don't want to talk to me. With when you're approaching teenagers, you know they don't want to talk to you. Right. So it's 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 much safer to approach a business person than it is to approach a teenager. I feel like sometimes, um, but it also seems like it wasn't just networking. It seemed like you also built skills. So what was kind of like when you when you went into ministry? What kind of skills were you trying to build? Actually, let me let me back up for a second. What drew you to ministry in the first place? So I got a degree in theology at Franciscan, as previously mentioned. And my dad, um, so my parents come from Stanford University. My dad got a PhD in micro microeconomics at Stanford and then taught there. And my, my mom got her MBA. Um, and I grew up in Silicon Valley. And so um, they were not super thrilled that I got my degree in theology. <laughs> But my, my dad sat me down my, my junior year and he's like, what do you want to do with your degree? And I was like, I have no idea. I wasn't thinking that far ahead. Um, mm. it was, so he like went through a list of job descriptions, like what I could do basically. And I actually really wanted to be a director of religious education because I really wanted to change um, like how religious education was done in our country because I felt like it was too watered down. 
Um, so that was the first thing I was trying to go for, but there was nobody was hiring a director of religious education like out of college. Um, yeah. My path, I decided it was going to be in youth ministry and then go to religious ed. Um, and then I wanted to work at the USCCB. So that was that was the path originally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I found a, a job as a director of youth ministry. Um, and it was it was kind of like thrown into the fire because <laughs> when you study theology at Franciscan, you don't learn. I had no idea that the catechetics department existed. Um, so I didn't oh, really. Yeah, nope. <laughs> Not until my senior year. And I was like, oh, there's a whole like department where I should have learned how to like make lesson plans and like, you know, talk to kids and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, cause theology and catechetics are very different. Um, so I just, I, I was literally just thrown into like the fire, basically into the firing pan, um, and kind of was like learning as I go, which I think has been like my entire like career in general, which in youth ministry or in business, it's kind of like, th- I have no idea how to do something and I just kind of like learn on, learn on the fly. Um, which is, which is cool, but there are definitely skill sets that you can't always learn on the fly, which you need to like succeed and I would say, like, you know, like, l- l- like building a lesson plan, you can learn how to do that. But having like integral skills of your like self, um, meaning like integrity, not just well, not just a word, but also a body. So like, are you eating appropriately, and are you taking care of yourself, um, and th- and things like um, perseverance, and like those are integral skills that are not really taught at universities. Um, so it's like dreaming and goal setting and and all that. Like you're kind of taught like. You're given like the manual how to do things, but you're not really given like the manual, like how to accomplish like the dreams that God has placed in your heart. So I was kind of, um, I was kind of like winging it essentially. And then I realized that ministry was really not for me, mostly because you can't get ministry done where I was in 40 hours a week. And so I felt very frustrated by those limitations of like building relationships is not like an hourly thing. That was, that was really difficult for me. Yeah, I'm sure that is hard. And I, I like what you said about, you know, building skills that you can't learn on the fly and how you tied that into just being like a humanly good person, <laughs> you know, like, like a good a good human person is someone who, you know, we ideally someone who's virtuous in mind, body and soul. Right. And so this integrated person, uh, you can't just learn how to be that on the fly because it comes from a place of internal motivation, not external. Whereas, you know, youth group is on Sunday. I need a lesson plan. I'm just going to wing it, figure it out. And then I'll just keep doing that every week and then I'll get better at it. That's fair. But you don't have the same immediate pressure when it comes to building even certain professional skills like organization. You don't have the immediate pressure of, you know, being a well-organized person, being like a well-rested person, you know? And I think, I think sometimes there, there are structures in ministry that they don't prohibit it necessarily, but they don't encourage those virtues to be formed. You know, if there is kind of like this, and I don't know where it comes from because like my, my superior, my supervisors don't implicit in like enforce it on me, but I feel like, oh, I need to work through lunch because I need to get stuff done because I'm in a job that serves God. Mm-hmm. Right. Have you ever felt any, have you ever felt that before? Yes, very, very much so. And I would say too, like it comes, I think it comes from a scarcity mindset. And that's very much not just like a Catholic mindset, I would say, but like, especially those of us who went to mass regularly, and then started working at parishes is that um, there's the idea of like, there's not enough time to do things. So you have to do it because you're serving God. And like, you know, God is the only thing that matters, which is he should be at the center of all things. But you know, we matter too. 
But then there's also like that around the added towards like towards wealth and like money. And there's the idea I've met a lot of former youth ministers who are socialists, which is very sad, which I will stay away from that topic. But um, uh, but I, I think it's just very sad that scarcity in terms of like, you know, we, we talk about to our kids or to the kids in ministry or families in youth ministry that like God is all good and like he created us in his image. We don't as youth ministers necessarily believe that for ourselves. And I didn't believe that for a long time. And so I thought that making money, even though my, my parents are successful in the sense that they impact human behavior for good, and then they've they've benefited from that, that, you know, that was a bad thing. And so I always thought that, you know, having more than, you know, $5,000 in my bank account was a bad thing. I was making $34,000 a year. So saving that much would have been hard. But then like when I started being in the professional world, like that thinking and that mentality of like, there's only so many people around when you're in youth ministry, there's only usually one budget and you usually don't get the the best part of it. And so that was very hard to like break out of that thinking that there was an abundance instead of thinking there was like not enough for me. So then there's not enough for anybody else. So why would I collaborate? Because I think also in ministry, a lot of people talk about collaborating, but I've very rarely seen it done. And it's more of like, this is my piece of the pie. And like, this is my part of the world and I can't share it with you. And then even when you leave that environment, like, you know, it's not necessarily implicit, but because you're in that environment so much, it kind of carries with you for the rest of your life. And unless you train yourself in mindset skills, which is does not have to be new agey or anything crystally, but um, <laughs> train yourself out of that that mindset and and learn certain skills through like dreaming as a skill set or mindset. Like, how do you acquire those skills? Then it's going to be very hard to live abundantly and live how I believe how God really wants us to live, which is very different from the health and wealth prosperity gospel, which I am very much against. Yeah, I think I think that's good to say because it, it can it can it can tend in that direction, and we feel like there's this. You mentioned you mentioned uh, you mentioned socialism, and again, we're not getting into that, but I see the connection between you know scarcity and with that and then there's this this malformed kind of capitalist mentality that is that prosperity gospel of like it is it is my corner of the pie still it's like this is my piece of the world i'm not sharing it but instead it's like i deserve all of this i did all of this myself and not you know recognizing the community that built you up you know and and i think i think it's it we we look at that extreme like not i would say none of our listeners are in that extreme but we look at that extreme of, oh, here are all these people that have so much and they're so selfish mm. that we and then we implicitly tie that abundance to that selfishness. Right. And then we retreat into scarcity. I think that's very I think that's very uh, I think that's very insightful. And I think also the reason we equate like that abundance is bad, too, is because nobody is actually trained in philanthropy and no one actually knows how to give. So I don't know if you know this, but giving is down nationwide among Catholics, 40 percent. And this is pre-COVID. This is in January. And the reason I think that is the case is because that us as younger people are not trained in like, you know, philanthropy is more than just having millions. You can, it's time, talent, and treasure. Um, but the treasure part, like no one understands, like nobody knows what a donor advised fund is, which is the most efficient way to give. Um, no one understands like why it's important to give. And people also think, I think especially as youth ministers, that you have to be poor in order to give to the poor which is not, it's not, you know, the case. the case. You don't have to, you know, be, you don't have to be in somebody's same position to, to sympathize with them or empathize with them. Let's go back to the donor advised fund because I am very into money and have never heard of that. 
Really? Yes. Okay. Well, I, I, I'm on the board of a, a community foundation and I'm very passionate about philanthropy. So a donor advised fund um, is a fund that you put money into to, for specifically for the, the purpose of giving charitably. Uh, you can't take money out of it, but the instead of it, your money sitting in a bank account and occurring like 0.001, you know, interest per year, um, the returns you usually see in a donor advised fund um, are usually be anywhere from like five to like 30%. So very high because that money is invested in, you know, different various funds and, and whatnot. Um, but then, so, and so let's say you, you write a, so the, 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 the one that I sit in is the Catholic Community Foundation of Los Angeles. And there you can only give to nonprofits that fall within the USC, USCCB guidelines for giving. So like there's no chance of getting to Planned Parenthood or, uh, you know, crazy, like, you know, there's no politician giving or any like that's not a nonprofit either. But so when the money, let's say you write like a $10,000 check, right? And then like you have another 5000 sitting there, but instead of it collecting or accruing like almost no interest, you're getting a return on that. So the money is growing while you're waiting or discerning which other nonprofits to give to. So it, it is the most efficient way to give. So it's kind of like an IRA. It's invested in different in, in like, it would be in, invested in different like index or, or mutual funds. Right. Great. This is really interesting. Okay. I just didn't know that existed. Yeah. Because I would, I, when we talk about, because like when I think of philanthropy, I'm thinking of like hard cash. I mean, I, I guess investing is still cash, but it's like the amount of money that we get. Like, what if churches did that? Maybe I'm just, I'm speculating, but what if, what if churches did that? The parishes that are in the know, they do have like a donor advised fund or they are, should be enrolled in like a donor advised, like a, a, a community foundation. Oftentimes, like like yourself, didn't know about a donor advised fund. I happen to know about them because my family's very involved in philanthropy. Um, but there's there's I think there's like ten or twelve community foundations around the country. And you don't necessarily need to be in the same city as a, a Catholic community foundation. Um, there's also other foundations like the Silicon Valley Community Foundation in Palo Alto. I'm in Los Angeles. So I'm, I'm in Palo Alto regularly, um, but there's also one in D.C. The one in L.A. is like the biggest in the country, and it's already only been around for five years, I believe. And then the one in DC has been around for like ever. There's one in New York. So the minimum amount that you need to usually start a donor, donor advice fund is $10,000. But the one in Los Angeles, they have this new philanthropist fund that you can get. It's, you start at $2,000, which is a much lower threshold, obviously. Those of us who are millennials, you know, who have not as much money perhaps as our parents and grandparents, you know, just to start philanthropy. That's really interesting. And I, I, I know I know some of our listeners may be on edge about the idea of so it's it's money that goes into this fund. And then within that, there are so it essentially goes into a fund and those those funds are invested in the stock market. I think investing in the stock market is incredibly Catholic. And I've come to this conclusion after reading several books that I'm not going to go into now because, you know, you're the guest, you're the you're the source of information on this podcast. But I, I think it's very important for Catholics to invest, and I'm I'm glad to hear that the the mindsets of investing, which I would say are, is an abundance mindset, the mindset of investing and taking advantage of the you know taking advantage of the wealth of our country, I'm glad to hear that can be applied to philanthropy as well. Yeah, and it's more than just there's different like you know mutual funds and you know different ways to invest that the community foundation does. It. There's also um, other ways you can do a donor advised fund like through Schwab or Fidelity, but you know, with those, like, you don't really know where the money is going. And it's like community foundation, you you do <laughs> much gotcha. more. So, 
So it's a it's a it's a donor advised fund specifically in a community foundation. Yes, and there are Catholic okay. community foundations on top of just regular community foundations, which yep. those have to have the USCCB guidelines of giving. Gotcha. This is really cool. I'm really glad that I learned this, especially I think it's really important to get the terminology down so that when you know you go to Google, you can actually look up the right things and send your money to the right place. So we were talking about scarcity and how a lot of us in ministry specifically, we, we default to this idea of there's no money. And I've heard this thousands and thousands of times. Um, I was even talking to a friend who works at this nonprofit and there she's like, we need to do this. We need to do this. We need to hire this person. And she asked about that. And then they were like, well, there's no money. And then she was like, well, can we hire someone to write grants? And she was like, there's no money to hire someone who can write grants. Mm-hmm. And I was like, but if you hire someone to write grants and they get a $1 million grant, they've already paid for themselves. Right. And I think I think that that scarcity mindset puts you in this place where there's no way out. But I would like to know, if you have anything more to say about the scarcity mindset, please do. But I would like to more about know more about what does an abundance mindset look like? Yeah, no, scarcity, again, I just, from my experience... Like I was in a parish and I, and even like growing up Catholic, like when the priest is like asking you for money, like every Sunday, like during the stewardship runs and like, you know, your parents might give like 20 bucks or 50 bucks or, you know, whatever. And that, or there's like one fundraiser, like everybody grew up with probably like that one fundraiser that everybody went to because you had to support the parish. And so it, it like, it's kind of embedded into your mind that there's not enough money almost from like the very beginning. So it's not even just in youth ministry. But as Catholics, I think the way that we're raised and just like brought up, that's kind of like subconsciously back there. And and I think you can like look at that in the terms of like, so I've worked with a, a fair amount of Catholics and some of them are amazing. And some of them, you can see the scarcity mindset come through and they've never been in ministry, but they've like grown up, you know, and that's very scarcity mindset and they're not aware of it. And so I think it's so important as Catholics to talk about that abundance mindset to understand what that is. And like how to grow into that and how do you form, you know, a mindset that's no longer like worried and like in a state of fear because you're you're in two, you're either of one of two states. You're either in a state of fear or you're in a state of love, which we can switch into the abundance mindset if you have a question around that. I would even say there's culturally an expectation of scarcity, at least within the church. And it's that if the church is wealthy, it's doing something wrong. It's not being like Christ enough. And this is a this is a controversy from like the Middle Ages, you know, with William of Ockham and Marcellus of Padua. I figured that out a previous episode. I couldn't figure out where Marcellinus was from, but he's from Padua. Talking about, oh, the church, the church needs to be more like Jesus, and Jesus was poor, therefore the church needs to be poor. But no, the church has the right to the 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 needs to fulfill her mission. And it's quite obvious that we don't have the needs. We don't have the the uh, we don't have the materials we need for our mission. Right, right, and I, I think a lot of people too, and I've had this discussion with a lot of people over the phone as I've been talking about my company mission to launch, and that people the the intention people think that being having money is bad. Again, like you said, Jesus was poor, which he was, but he also had wealthy friends, and he and he said like you know the 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 wealthy man will not go to heaven because he's more attached to his his things. So that's like the key important part is like you can't just like treat your things as like a god, like, you know, the golden calf. But if your intention is to steward it and to give wisely and to give to those that that need it, it's in a way better position than having nothing. Because if you have nothing, you're always going to be starving and and um, surviving versus thriving. And I really believe that God wants us to thrive 
and to be able to give generously. And I don't think we're going to be able to give generously if we're thinking like, oh, can I be able to, can I pay the rent? Or like, I know God is going to take care of me, but yes, he will take care of us, but he wants us to thrive. He wants us to be able to give from, you know, what we have in like in a, in a more abundant way than if we had nothing. He also had wealthy friends. I think people forget that too. Like, oh, Jesus, Jesus was poor. Yes. But he had friends who were wealthy, like Nicodemus, who gave him his tomb. Like that was something back then that only like very wealthy people had. And then when he talks about like, you know, the places of honor at table, when he talks about that back then, like those were people who were wealthy and had that, that kind of space. So he does talk about, you know, that, but when he talks about like the, the rich man who wouldn't go to heaven, cause he, the guy was too attached to his things and was like, I need my stuff. <laughs> so Jesus <laughs> is talking about like, you know, just make sure your intention is focused on, on him, on Christ and make sure you're you're detached from those things. So if you're if you if you love something, you know more than life itself, or you you feel like you need something, that's where like the problem is because we don't need that. But you can, it's okay to have it. Like if you're in business, for example, or you're in like a nice parish, you need to make sure to dress nicely because the people that you're around otherwise are going to think you're a little weird. Um, but also, if you're in business, if you you know are looking to start a business and you have clients who are wealthy then you also need to make sure you dress well around them because otherwise they're going to think you're a fraud or that you you don't really know what's expected of you. So um, I was told by a mentor when I was leaving ministry that it's totally okay to have the nice house, to have like the nice cars, like one or two. She was like, don't have 10. And she was like, you can have one or two pairs of Gucci shoes or Chanel, but don't have like 20 pairs. Like, you know, don't have one in every color, but it's important to, you know, to have those things if those are the people that you're hanging around um you know just as as a matter of of um like uh etiquette yeah fair enough and i mean just to push back i don't know about gucci i'm pretty sure they have sweatshops i'm not sure anyway <laughs> well or that's a, a very common brand right I, my personal favorite is givenchy and saint laurent but gotcha so i have no idea wait no i do know saint laurent but i didn't know how that's how you said it um <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I think, I think that's definitely the case. I mean, I think we, we, we don't understand as Catholics what it is to have property. I think we as Americans don't understand what it is to have property. Actually, Um, I would challenge that. I have to challenge that. I think as millennials, we don't know because our parents usually have property and like people who are older, who are wealthy, who like are the donors that we look up to in the parishes, who we ask for money, um, or who are, you know, give at higher levels they definitely have a lot of real estate assets and they definitely have that. So I'm not, I would want to, I want to challenge that. Okay, fair. Well, um, well then let me, let me, let me, let me follow it with something. So like what I mean by property is the kinds of things that we own that are productive. And so I would put like that produce more value. And so I would say that like your home and your real estate definitely do produce more value um, because it appreciates generally. I mean, especially. Hey, Thank you for listening to this episode of The Crunch. Sorry to interrupt what I'm sure is a stimulating intellectual conversation, but I wanted to pause the episode real quick to let you hear from some of our sponsors. We will be back right after this. Secondary homes, they appreciate and value and they allow other people to live in them. Um, But we don't see... I think think there's... I think there's a... I think there's even a scarcity mindset in the wealthy where they see their stuff as stuff to accumulate. Like you were saying with the rich man who's not going to go to heaven, he's worshiping his stuff. So it like accumulates in storehouses. And that's like, that's, that's property. That's wealth that doesn't 
do well but the wealthy that are going to go to heaven are the ones that like you said engage in philanthropy and see their money as something that can further a mission that you know they are not directly attached to they can fund so yeah i see what you're saying i think as 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 a young person i just assume that my my generation's mindset is the mindset of the country um but uh <laughs> but yeah I, I, it, I i'm not sure maybe you're right it is it may just be specific to our generation yes i would definitely agree with that but still i think i think um i think a shift of i think a shift from scarcity to abundance uh, may include uh, a shift in the way that we look at property. You were saying that nice clothes create value because it allows you to be in situations you otherwise wouldn't be able to be in. A nice car creates value in the sense that you're able to be presentable at a meeting, etc. Um, and so, like a nice house allows you a bigger house allows you to have a bigger family, etc. This this thing creates further value. But a scarcity mindset is I need my stuff because then I will finally be secure. And that's the way that that's the way that we think when that's the way that the people who are actually destitute think if I don't have this coat, I'm not going to be safe. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's I did we so we did talk a little bit about abundance. Um, so when when did you develop this idea of or who did you learn this from this this difference between abundance and scarcity? Um, you know, it was actually it was about two years ago. Um, I started going getting into like personal development um and i realized that i i kind of started seeing like the identifying that i was like a lot of the scarcity mindset that i have comes from being at a parish um and also my my parents even though they are <laughs> much more successful than i am i mean they're they're also obviously much older um and have different education background but um like what they raised me as like god will only give you enough to get by it's literally what i was told growing up and then also mm. being in a parish uh, you know, we only have enough to get by basically. And so that was the message that was repeatedly put into my head for like 25 plus years. Um, and so then I realized that it doesn't have to be that way. And God doesn't want us to be like that. And I, it, I never read about, I, I know about the health and wealth gospel, but I never, I don't think that's a correct way. I think it's a very dangerous way to think about life. Um, but I think that um, the, so the personal development stuff that I was looking into, I was getting into it because I really wanted to develop it more fully as a person on my own, aside from having mentors. And then I was encountering difficult situations where like the, the, the personal development stuff was very new agey and very like manifesting and, um, just like a lot of crystals and a lot of like very bad things. And <laughs> that was like there, why isn't there a Catholic place or a place that you can learn about mindset that isn't you know, that isn't like with the lens of like the d- demonic basically. And then I learned about mm-hmm. Hildegard of uh, Bingen and she was like, she's a doctor of the church, super way ahead of her time. And she actually like went back to the earth and she said that, you know, everything that is in the earth, basically you can heal yourself with. You don't need these like, I mean, at the time there were like quack doctors right back in the middle ages. Um, and she was also healing people with like emeralds and like stones. And she's a saint and doctor of the church. So this was originally Catholic. And then of course the devil came in and like took it. And now like crystals and rocks are con- always considered bad. Uh, and like, because, well, a lot of them are, I mean, a lot of them, you should never touch them, you know? So yeah. for sure. But I was, so I, I started learning about her and I learned more about mindset and how it can, you can, acquire new skill sets like the ones that were not really taught at university i really think the university education too puts you into a box and i think as catholics 
because of the sacraments that we have and because we're able to receive the Eucharist, we're really designed to set standards, not live by them and not be put in boxes. And I think university education kind of puts us into a certain type of box, even, you know, if you're studying theology, it's like, this is like the only way you can live your life um, versus there's, there's limitless ways that you can live your life um, depending on like what dreams, you know, God has placed in your heart, but then we're not taught how to follow those dreams. And so I was like thinking about this and I was learning about this um, through different like reading. And uh, I took this thing called the woman's school too, which also teaches you how to dream, but it doesn't, it teaches you how to dream and like apply skill sets, but it doesn't teach you how to do that in the workplace. Um, and so I was really frustrated. There was like no kind of like development program or like, there's a lot of like programs, you know, on YouTube or like, you know, like the marketing funnels we all f- fall prey to. And they're very <laughs> yeah. gimmicky. They're like, you know, do this course and you'll like live my life. And that doesn't really ever work out. <laughs> I've learned. And just read, just read the four hour work week and you'll be, you know, dancing in Brazil and, you know, eating <laughs> buffalo chicken pizzas every right. Saturday. <laughs> right. So I was I was just very frustrated by the fact there was nothing like for Catholics or even Christians that was like not gimmicky and didn't like they because like with the thing with like those other courses and um, different programs is they want you to buy the thing. And then once you've bought the thing, they don't really care about you. So there was just like, I was like there was nobody I could reach out to. There was no like I was like following this program, but there was no like mentorship. Um, so I was just very frustrated around that. So which led me to, to developing um, my own company so to activate Catholics to thrive and to learn mm-hmm. mindset with a Catholic lens and learn how to dream um, again with a Catholic lens and basically figure out God's will for your life. And in a way that's not like, you know, God's will is like the overlord of things and like, you know, you have no life and like your soul is going to be sucked out, you know, by going to heaven and like there's no joy for you. Because that was the other extreme is like, I think. I mean, I, at Franciscan, I got this a little bit, but it was like, God's will is the only thing that matters, but you're never really, I wasn't taught really how to discern that. Um, it was more just like, God is imposing these things on your life and you have no free will. And if you don't do these things, then you're going to go to hell. That's certainly not the case. Yeah, um, yeah we, it's not, we, we, we love talking. I don't know if you've ever read Abandonment to Divine Providence. I think I have. That's a that's a book that I definitely need to put on our list. We have a we have on our website we have a list of required reading that we jokingly call required reading to listen to our podcast. I should put a, abandonment to divine providence. I'm gonna write that down. Um, but it talks about it talks about God's will and how um, it it does he does say that you know that you know God's will is the only thing that matters right in the end. Um, but he says like you know doing God's will is a combination of fervent prayer and your desires. And so when we're talking about these, you know, quote unquote dreams, right? Dreams, and I think, I think desires and dreams are very similar. God has placed these dreams, these desires in you, and he places them there because he wants them to come to fruition. It's like a seed. You don't plant a seed unless you expect it to grow. And so God is planting these desires and these dreams in us so that we can find a way. And so I think, I think what you're talking about is not a way to like, conquer but it's a way to unleash what's actually there in like a compact form right right without watering and, and, and without watering it down because that was important as well as like how do you identify that without watering down the faith um but also i think there's a lot of uh, negative connotations around like our desires so there's mm-hmm. we're always told that like what we desire is like probably a bad thing so then we shouldn't follow it and so that was something that not only myself believed, but then a lot of my friends too, who were trying to discern out of ministry, they were like, I want to leave, but 
you know, my mentor and my, and my, my boss, AKA my, my pastor is telling me that, you know, I won't be able to serve God in the same way in the professional world. So I'm not going to leave. My desires are bad. And then they would be, they were truly called out of ministry, but because they were getting all these messages, they believed that those things were bad. And I was like, there has to be a better way to teach people skills like this. Um, and, you know, more than just like giving an, a one-off talk or, you know, something like that. So that's how I came up with a, a course experience um, that was not gimmicky in any way uh, <laughs> to teach people how to thrive and in, in learning that, you know, there, there's definitely, we do have desires that are bad, but how do you identify that with what's good? And then how do you identify the dreams that God has placed in our heart? And we talk about like possible dreams, stretch dreams and impossible dreams as like a, a, a basic thing. I have been to the website. It is, as you said, not a sales funnel, which is important. <laughs> yes. Those things are nuts. I don't know if any of our, if any of our listeners actually have been tricked into a sales funnel. If you haven't been, if you have been, you may already know, actually, if you have, if you don't think you have been, you probably haven't been. It's pretty easy to figure it out once you've uh, bought into it. Um, I follow this guy on Instagram. He's like a finance guru and, uh, he has some like, I like his TikToks. He's a funny dude, but he, he joined this challenge that was, um, 30 days to your first sales funnel challenge. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's a sales funnel within a sales funnel. Yeah, that's a pyramid that's scheme. <laughs> that's a pyramid scheme. <laughs> the anyway, of sales funnels. it's like, it's, ne- they're never ending. It, it's just, it's just, it's, it's lack of value. It's money for no value. You know, it's, it's just, you film a video anyway. Sorry. Uh, moving on. We we do to be fair we do have an email funnel but it is about telling stories about like you know moving from this to this um, but it is not gimmicky uh, it was very clear with that on our with our marketing team uh, it could not be gimmicky because it really has it has to be authentic and that's what ministry oh is, yeah like relationship building um, and so that I do we do have a, a funnel but it's not like oh my gosh like take this course or this experience and your life will be you know you'll be sitting on the beaches of Cancun like drinking mai tais. You know, <laughs> no, we're, we're I feel like I've, I feel like I've, I feel like I've seen that one. Um, yeah, we uh, we have we have email funnels too. It's just like I don't think people call them. I don't think our our I don't think people outside of marketing call them that. It's just like an email list, you know. <laughs> so, I would I would love to know more about the mission to launch course. So I saw like I saw all the people that are involved, and uh, I saw like you know, the different topics that they're talking about. So you said that the main goal of this course is to move people from what we were talking about, the scarcity to abundance mindset. What other things do you introduce in this course? Yeah, so it's actually more than just a course. We have 10 courses this year. Um, That's right. You said that earlier and I I completely forgot. Sorry about that. It's okay. It's it's all right. It's what the explanation is for. Um, So Mission to Launch is a course experience. And we have, um, this year we have Dreaming a Skill Set, then we go directly into mindset skills for the workplace and like how do you shape your mindset and learn skills. So like we talked about script writing, which is how you acquire new skills. Not only do you say things, well, script writing, some people call them affirmations. Again, this is very not new agey. It's the opposite of new agey. There's no crystals, there's no rocks, there's none of that stuff. Um, and then we go into forming a community for success. When you've, when you're, especially when you're leaving ministry and you're like all of your friends are in ministry and are in the Catholic Facebook groups and like you're kind of very dependent on some of that um, support for the tough times that you go through, especially dur- I'm sure during COVID it, it was exacerbated. Um, so how do you form a community for success and like what types of friends are there? There's three different types of friends um, that you can have like and then like what kind of boundaries you need to place around some of those. Um, and then the only theology type class that we have is theology of the workplace. 
Um, and that's taught by Elizabeth Santora Marcolini. And she teaches about how do you present yourself and activate your God-given gifts according to theology of the body? Um, and then how do you treat others in the workplace, like your coworkers? And then um, we have networking, servant leadership through networking, which is something that I teach. And that's something I learned again in ministry. And like, I think a lot of people coming from ministry think that they don't have any skills that are valuable that'll like translate to the professional world. So then in, in coordination with that, we have identifying transferable skills from liberal arts degree or theology degree or ministry experience. Um, if you've discerned out of seminary, a lot of seminarians are also kind of just thrown out into the cold when they leave seminary. So we have a landing place for them. How do you identify the skills that you learned in those places? Also the military into corporate America. So we have um, a couple of veterans who are teaching the, the military skills. And then we have this guy named John Cooper. He worked at Oracle. He worked at the Rockefeller um, family office, which is super cool, KPMG. And he is teaching, how, and he's also a father of six and very Catholic, and is teaching how to identify like certain skills from ministry into like six different types of corporate America jobs, like HR, project management, um, operations. And then we also have this amazing guy. His name is Steve Cicci. He's the former director of space satellite systems at Boeing, and he's teaching um, the skill set of, of how to prepare for an interview before, during, and after. Not just like an interview to get a job, but also interviewing for promotion. Um, he talks a little bit about LinkedIn and like how to be presentable on LinkedIn. Um, and then also like how to clean up your social media, especially if be being in ministry. There might be a lot of embarrassing things on Facebook and on Instagram. <laughs> so you wanna, like a fit like whipped cream all over your face and all that. Possibly, you know, like it could be negatively interpreted by an HR person. So talks about that. Um, talked about resume building. How do you go, you know build a good resume? What are some basic things that should be in it and not in it? Uh, we also have one of probably my favorite courses that I'm really excited about is how to translate your Christian Catholic values into effective negotiation. That's being taught by a lady named Dr. Jean Kawaji. She has an MS, MBA, and PhD from Stanford University. And she's like advised people like uh, the CEOs of like Google, Apple, Shell Oil, like pharmaceutical companies, like the world's like top one, like 0.1% of leadership. She's advised, she's Catholic, Lebanese Catholic, and it's like, you know, if you negotiation is not a man, manipulation situation and the way that the world's top business schools teach it, even if you go on masterclass.com, is like you have to manipulate the situation and the person to get what you want. So she talks about if you go into a negotiation situation and you get what you wanted out of it, then you fail that negotiation. And if you're manipulating the person and you're not encountering them in love, then you're also failing at negotiation. Every, she talks about her company is called effective interactions and basically every interaction you have with someone should be based out of a, a state of love instead of a state of fear and if you're in a state of fear you're going to be making assumptions on people and then when people respond negatively to you they're actually responding correctly because you're judging like prejudging them and so they're having like an interaction with you that's negative but it's it actually starts with you um so she's brilliant like her course is probably um microsoft is buying it um a series of her courses are like thirty thousand dollars a pop so just with her course, you're getting a ton of value. Um, Microsoft, like the company, like the, you know, the big company. Um, oh yeah, the big, the big guy. The big guy, yeah. Um, and then we have a couple other courses on like Entrepreneurship 101, if you're interested in, in starting a business, like how do you identify your business vision and goals? Uh, how do you find your ideal clients? Um, and we have a couple of, of other skills, stuff like that. Um, and then this year, if you sign up this year, you do get lifetime access in the sense that next year we'll be tripling our course load, including act, adding on like an acting class, which is being taught by an A-list celebrity. 
um, and a couple of like investing 101. So I know yourself, you're interested, you are interested in money. So investing 101 and stock market 101, um, motherhood and business for those of the of uh, your audience that is a mo mother and doesn't you know has dreams you don't have to like go of those dreams just because you are a mom um moms are our second biggest listener group i think i think it's very important that we shout out the moms oh that's awesome so mother we have like, <laughs> a class in motherhood and business um being taught by a mom who is very successful and has like six kids um so she you know there's no reason to to lose sight of your dreams um, also going into email etiquette, especially I think millennials, like our generation, I've gotten emails from like young adults that use like text speak in an email. I'm like, no, we, we need to like fix this. Who uses text speak anymore? That's ridiculous. A lot of people. You'd be surprised. Um, so these courses are designed for to activate you to thrive in the workplace. Not necessarily like if you, it's mainly for like people who want to go into corporate America or who want to start a business or who want to work at a startup. Um ideally it's it's mostly to train people out of that scarcity into abundance mindset um, and it is usually mostly for people who are seeking to discern out of ministry these skills will help you if you are in ministry definitely because we all have to negotiate our salary or our promotion um, and if we can do that out of love you know as catholics it's the state that we want to be in is love not in fear um, you know jp2 says you know be not afraid that's very much like a, a an underlying theme throughout mission to launch is like be not afraid um and then we also have something called alt mentors, which is like mentorship without the messiness. So there's no scheduling, there's no one-on-one -on -one time, but you basically get a personalized masterclass and get your mentorship questions at, answered. But we have like an MBA team owner um, who's an alt mentor. Uh, we have um, uh, CEOs of multi-million, multi-billion dollar companies. We have, but they're also Catholic and they're also living their faith. Um, and they, they really believe in people who are, you know, trying to sign up for the course without even meeting you. They really believe that Catholics, again, are designed to set standards, not live by them, and that we really need a lot of active change and a lot of active Catholics in the workplace because the people on the fringes, if we're talking about ministry in the new evangelization, which we talk about all the time, the people who are really on the fringes are not at the parishes. They're not in the Catholic Facebook groups. They're definitely not on Catholic Instagram. They're like, living their daily lives and you're going to be encountering them in the workplace. So how do you create change in the most effective way is by learning how to thrive, be authentically yourself, be boldly Catholic. But again, the university, even if you go to a Catholic university, it doesn't teach you how to do that. The only place that you can learn to be an authentically thriving Catholic in the workplace with specific skills is a mission to launch, um, in, in my opinion. And you can definitely try to source classes on your own um, you know, through YouTube, but then there's that risk of like that new agey component that you might encounter. Yeah, and you can, of course, learn it, you know, you can, of course, learn it over time on your own, but then, you know, you could truncate that by, you know, taking a course. That's essentially the value exchange that's going on there. I, I, I'm, 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 I'm really happy that you're doing this. I would, before we close out, because we are coming to the end of our time, unfortunately, um, I would like to I would like to ask you for for some first steps for our for our listeners that are in ministry or they identify the scarcity mindset for them in in themselves and they want to move to a more abundant mindset even if they are in the corporate world and they're just like I don't know as a catholic can I am I allowed to thrive right what do you what do you say are some first steps to move away from scarcity towards abundance Yes, I would say that um, I would identify your dreams, like your possible 
stretch and impossible dreams because that will lead you to realize that there's like a, there's a lot of possibilities um i don't i think so before when i was in a scarcity mindset i thought that dreams weren't possible that my dreams were impossible um again because i thought they were bad and that anything that i wanted was bad um and also leads into scarcity so possible dream is something that you can hope are helpfully living in um my hope for you is that you're living in your possible dream if you're not living in it you know all the steps to achieve it you know all the skills that you need and you don't need any help getting there. You should, again, already be living in it. Your stretch dream is something that you kind of know how to get to it. You might need like a mentor to help level you up or you might need to acquire a couple of skill sets and like uh, maybe you need to take care of yourself better and need to like wake up on like earlier and like no snooze button and like maybe have um, a couple of mentors to kind of get there. But you know it's a stretch dream. You might need to save some money. Um, but you can, you pretty much know how to achieve it. And then also naming the impossible dreams. So you have no idea how to get there. You have absolutely just like, it's impossible, right? You think that it's impossible, but yet you're still thinking about it and you're still like, man, I wish this was possible one day. So write that down, like write them down, not just think about them because the way that our brains recognize and like reality is through writing things down. So when you're, when you're doing scripts or affirmations, like write those things down in the present tense. And there's a couple that I can state that will kind of like launch your audience, so to speak. So one of them is around that I do around prayer is I trust in God with ease, with like the ease part being, you know, the difficult part because sometimes it's hard to trust God. Um, also, I trust that everything is aligning perfectly for me, even, even and especially if I cannot see it because there's a lot going on in the background and like God might be arranging things for you and you just can't see it. So instead of losing hope or like saying, oh, my dreams are possible. Just trust in God that, you know, things are working out. Also, life happens for me, not to me. Even things that are bad that seem bad, you're, it's an opportunity to learn and grow and learn new skill sets um, around money. Like I welcome X amount of money, you know, this week um, or this month. So like if you want to and, and specifically name that number. So if it's like, you know, a couple hundred dollars or a couple thousand dollars, or you want to get to like $10,000 a month, specifically name that. And then you'll see there's, there will be opportunities that present themselves. We have to be open to that in our mind. We can say that we're open to it, but if we're like subconsciously saying like, Oh, this is never going to work, then like, it's not going to happen. And it's, I, I didn't really believe that. And then I started doing script writing or affirmation writing. And I started seeing a lot more opportunities present themselves to me just by writing down and like saying out loud, like, I believe that, you know, there are opportunities available to me, even if I can't see them right now. Um, And then also around um, just serving others in work, too. I think a lot of us, especially as Catholics, might think that networking is a bad thing. I've heard that a lot. Um, So if you're afraid of networking or you're afraid of providing value or you're thinking about starting a business and you don't think, like, I don't want to use people, which is a great thought in general. Um, So you can say, I provide value to everybody that I meet. So write that down. Um, And then also, I am a man or woman of action. I am unstoppable. Um, You know, I make aggressively smart moves in business. All those things are to help you, like, write them down, rewire them into your brain. I would say you have to do that twice a day minimum um, for a minimum of 60 days to acquire that new habit of affirmation and script writing. Um, But that's just, like, a very basic way. But we, we do talk more about that in Mission to Launch. That's interesting. That that's that sounds very similar to what I've read about, like cognitive behavioral therapy of like, you know, rewiring the pathways of your brain that help you, you know, stop thinking in one defeatist sense and start thinking in a more self self affirming sense. It's yeah, very science. It's 
it is something it is something that it takes you know it can it can take a while to accept especially if you're used to thinking you know these things are new agey or these things are and it it is it is sad because a lot of these things have been co-opted by uh by new agey things um so yeah i thank thanks so much elaine i really appreciate you giving that um those really concrete steps uh is there anything else that you want to add that we didn't get to talk about Yes, if people would like to sign up for Mission to Launch, we have we're extending a special um, extension to your audience, um, so they can go to mission the number two launch dot com slash register, um, and we have a special code that I can provide. It's launch twenty twenty gives you um, a certain percentage off your membership, both the the one time payment or the the monthly payment if you can't do the the one time payment. Um, but I really want all Catholics to thrive in the workplace. I really believe for there to be true change in our culture, um, especially as we encounter a culture of death almost daily, especially, you know, we can see during this unprecedented COVID time um, of like the elderly and especially all of that. I really believe those policy decisions are made are truly made at the highest levels, like at pharmaceutical companies and all of those people. And if we want to make change, meaningful change, we need to learn how to thrive in the workplace and be in those positions where we can make that change. And if we are, don't know how to behave in the workplace and we don't know how to live abundantly, it's going to be very hard to encounter those situations where we're open to opportunities that will lead us to positions of leadership at a national level. Um, so Mission to Launch is really that catalyst to help you thrive in, you know, in the cubicle, in the corner office, um, in the boardroom, in media, legal, tech, wherever your dream is leading you, your dreams are possible. Um, they're meant to be fulfilled. God wants to help you there. Um, I really would love it for, you know, if you're feeling called to um, to join, feel, please feel free to reach out to me. Uh, I can provide my email later. Um, but yeah, I'm just super thrilled. And thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. And remember, when you email Elena, do not use text, uh, text slang in the email. <laughs> um, like she said. So anyway, thanks so much, Elena, for being on. It was a pleasure to talk to you. I, I appreciate you know, being able to pick your brain and talk about some some cool new ideas and learn some new things. It was nice. Uh, to all of our listeners, remember that you can go to mission to launch that number two mission to launch.com. And you can enter in the code launch 2020 to get a percentage off of the monthly or one time payment. Elena, thank you again for being here. Um, It was a pleasure talking to you. And for the rest of you, we will see you all next week. 